So gents, we're back. Today we've got Sanjay Patel joining us. Sanjay is an experienced landlord. He's invested in property and his whole life is surrounded by property as he works in the estate agency game as well. I had, uh, it was actually my first property. I went in with my dad on the mortgage and we had an offer accepted. It was 250,000 pound and it was a three bedroom, seven detached house. We pulled out fairly close to exchange because my the advice I got from other third parties because I was inexperienced, we pulled out. Mm. Today, the house is worth £525,000 pretty much. So it's almost like, imagine that 14 years ago to now, but back then I had no clue. Yeah. I was making the wrong decisions. So I'm looking forward to seeing Sanjay to talk to him about being a landlord. No interest in his estate agency business today. Talk about him being a landlord because I find the best advice is from people who have walked a mile in your shoes and he's certainly done that. Ian, what are you most looking forward to talking to Sanjay about? Exactly that. We've said off camera that we've been really keen to talk to a seasoned landlord about their experiences. So I'm I'm interested to know how it all started, what the exit plan is, what he's looking to do over the next sort of decade. And I'm also looking forward to seeing how he's found the last two years of everything with the pandemic. So got some good questions for Sanjay that I'm looking forward to getting stuck into. Right, South Tristan. Yeah, definitely. I think Ian's covered a lot of it there, but I think on top of that would be to find out what wins he's had, um, both short-term and long-term. We know that there's been some great growth in property in the last couple of years alone. So what wins he's had uh, and what advice he can give to any anyone looking to invest in property or any landlords out there that's looking at buying another one. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, a decade in, he's still enthusiastic. Let's bring him on. Gents, Sanjay's joined us on the desk. We're very pleased to see him. As I said in the intro, Sanjay's a landlord, growing his portfolio, comes from a family history of property. So it's great to have Sanjay along. Ian, let's kick off. So the question that we always like to ask a landlord, and this is just exactly how the story unfolded, is why did you become a landlord, Sanjay? So, <laughs> interesting question. Um, I became a landlord because, first of all, I've always had an interest in property. I was one of those guys growing up when you know you, I've just grown around my parents who have always had properties. They always wanted to buy more properties. They always wanted to build their own portfolio. So you just, because I've grown around it, it's kind of just instilled in you. And I thought, well, how do I make this when I become obviously adulthood? I thought, I think it was when I was 18, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have 10 properties by the time I'm like 25. It never obviously happened because you just don't know the pitfalls you're going to jump into. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where, where it came from originally. Always been an aspiration yeah. to kind of get into it. I think a lot of people have that, what their background is and how their their parents and what they've been involved in. Sometimes we find it's people that have got family that are in the trades and it just naturally flows into someone wants to start doing more than just being in trades and that they turn it into investment. So yeah. it's, it's very common, but it's good to see that you took that influence from from family. Do you think in your property experience background and having worked in professions of property, that that helped? Or do you think that actually you were, when you were looking to buy that portfolio, start that portfolio, do you actually think that that hindered you a little bit because you were more cautious about things mm. that not everyone knows? It's a bit of both. Like when I, I remember before I started my career in property, I had no clue. I had no clue what I was doing, what I was trying to find, what a rental yield was, what the actual motivation behind it was. And then as soon as I started into the career of property, it started to change. My mindset started to change. And the way I went about it and more so homework, just do your research, right? It's a simple thing, but it sometimes gets overlooked. So yeah, it was a bit of both. So I started off very wrong. I actually, I remember 
I think it was 2008, I had, uh, it was actually my first property. I went in with my dad on the mortgage and we had an offer accepted. It was 250,000 pound. And it was a three bedroom, semi detached house. We pulled out fairly close to exchange because my advice I got from other third parties, because I was inexperienced, we pulled out. Mm. Today, that house is worth 525,000 pound pretty much. So it's almost like, imagine that 14 years ago to now, but back then I had no clue. Yeah, I was making the wrong decisions. So now, yeah, I definitely look at it. And what was the offer agreed at? Sorry, on that one. Two hundred fifty thousand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, more than doubled. And you talk, you talk about that a lot, Mike, in terms of treating it as a long term plan and not looking yeah. at is there a better option around the corner because actually you're going to keep hold of it for 10, 15, 20 years. But and that's why we do it. That's why we invest for the and long that's, term. That's the market that we're working in now. Is is everything gets more and more expensive by the minute? Some people lose out on buying a property over £1,000, £2,000 on an offer. And it's bought, it's, it's irrelevant because mm. by the time you exchange and complete on the house, the house is worth ten or £15,000 more than you agreed the offer at. So yeah. I've lost properties over the same thing. I think it's mm. just greed in the moment where you're trying to get yourself the yeah. best possible <laughs> deal um, to try and get it over the line to prove you're the bigger man. Um, yeah. Or like you say, you're taking outside... outside um, outside advice which is just yeah. wrong from, I mean, pe from people who don't do it but mm. the key is as you, you started the first 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 answer you made was it's about building assets mm. first and foremost over everything else building the assets is where it is yeah i mean i'm i'm massively now i'm massively into like podcast self-development like motivation like tony robbins like is i grew up for the last five years of listening to his stuff and he talks a lot about investing not just in property but like mm. in crypto bitcoin all this other different stuff real estate and um the best advice if i was like 14 years ago i'm 35 now but 14 years ago if i told myself then be in it for the long term rather than the short term gain yeah. i was so blinkered back then it was ridiculous so now mm. now i can actually share that knowledge and be like, right, Sanjay, your old self, you should have taken that because you're not in it for the short term. But back then, you're just blinkered. You don't know. Yeah. And I think that's what I still find with a lot of investors or people we speak to now that want to invest, not just in property, but anything, be in it for the long term, not the short term. And just yeah, take the, take the blindfold off, basically. So one thing that I'd like to know, Sanjay, is someone that's got that property background, and for me personally, with an estate agency background, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. But have you been surprised or have you experienced anything that surprised you in actually how it how it works with lettings agency? Because my understanding is your properties are managed by a lettings agent rather than just yourself because you've got mm. other jobs to do. Have you been surprised by that or has it been plain sailing? Um, so when I first, the first property I purchased six years ago now, seven years ago, I think almost, the first tenant I had was a bit of a nightmare. Oh, hands down, like every month there was something wrong, even though it was the smallest little thing, I was getting calls and I did a rent collection service then. I didn't do fully managed, so I was obviously speaking to the tenant with maintenance stuff and um, it was a pain. And I think back then, would it have been a better option to go fully managed? Um, probably yes, because I was busy working, like I was busy doing my life, as you, as you normally are as a landlord, like it's not your main sole focus in some cases. So yeah, that did surprise me a little bit, but recently, I've had a tenant in there for the last four and a half, almost five years, and they've been good as goals. Like so, and I fully manage it, and I've got no problem. So yeah, it kind of did surprise me right at the outset, but it was quite good. I went through that journey initially to be like, right, what are the problems? What are the pitfalls? What things come up? Because if I hadn't have had that, I wouldn't have had the experience I've had now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, and I think it's 
I often say to a lot of first time landlords that are really, really focused on trying to do their own management, mm. I just say, look, at least for the first year, just get a flavour of what you're doing here, yeah. get it fully managed, pay for the fully managed service and use it as a learning experience. And then if you feel confident at the end of it, and that's what you want to do, that's your yeah. goal. Like you said with Tony Robbins, you've got a goal and you, you work towards that vision. If that carries on, then then go for it. If not, then not. I know we, we've got clients, uh, Mike, that kind of have gone for the idea of doing that and then actually they've kind of gone right and in they and they take over. Yeah, absolutely. Like, ah, yeah, they yeah. stick to it after 12 months thinking, do you know what, this is too much hassle, I can't be bothered. But I think, especially when you buy a property that might be 30, 40, 50 years old to rent out, you don't know what you're going to find. No. It's all very well <laughs> if you lived in that house and you're doing a let to buy and you're moving on. You know that house down to the brick in some cases. But if you're buying a 1960s, 1970s ex-council house, anything can happen. Anything can be behind the walls that you just don't know about and you need someone professional to look after it, the contacts to do it, and as you said, quite rightly, the time to do it because majority of landlords are still mm. working a full-time job with a family, <clears throat> with everything else that goes along with it. So I totally agree. Yeah. The other thing to add to that though is the legislation always changing. So having someone manage it as well making sure the property is fully compliant because there's so many changes happening in the last couple of years and so many more that's about to happen. Well, this, that's a really interesting point because when I when I had the first property, I didn't I I was told about these changes, but I was never explained about it. And that really frustrated me because you just get into a position where, oh well, well look, I have to do this, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just paying the money and it's getting done. Mm-hmm. Do you know you see where I'm coming from? So yeah. I, I suppose from that point from a management company, it would have been nice to be like, right, Sanjay, this is what this is, this is why it's happening, and this is what you have to do. Because without that, as a landlord, you're just kind of like, right, I'm yeah. busy doing my life, I need to crack on and do it, here's the money, and you don't think about it, and you just don't know what's going to come up after that. So it would have been nice yeah. to have that. So yeah, going back to your point of experience, it would have been nice to have the, the information mm. or the explanation. Yeah, because I, I do think there's, you know, if we take like, a couple of years ago, there was the, the electrical changes as an example. Oh. And that cost a lot of people a lot of yeah. money. Um, but I do think there's probably still landlords out there now that are doing it on their own, yeah. that either have gone blind to it or just haven't got round to it and almost forgotten that it's even a thing and it's not done out there and it's not been done. And you know that's why that part of the industry, you can split into probably three different segments of kind of rogue, professional and then agency managed you know and and I think that's probably the three pockets that we sit in and as a property investor listening to this podcast or as a portfolio landlord you have to make a decision which one you want to be and if you are in rogue at the moment and you've got to be strong enough to self-reflect on your own personal portfolio at some point that's going to really bite you in the backside so Mm. it's important um c-o-v-i-d last Mm. two years from a buy to let perspective how has that changed your kind of outlook? Has it been harder to look at buy-to-lets? And when you're a property investor, you're a landlord, you're always looking at options and opportunities. Has that changed your your vision and your goal in terms of the next type of property you're looking to buy? Or are you still on the same track? Um, I, it's so unpredictable. Over the last two years, it's been so unpredictable. There's been properties that you think are okay value for a buy-to-let are actually the best option for the buy-to-let but you just don't see it because you just don't know what's coming i think because of the last two years and because it's been unpredictable for an investor like i'm thinking well what do i do do i take the punt 
is it risk averse? Like, but and then again, it'd be nice to have a bit of guidance, but then at the same time, you can't because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But then now we've come out of it, well, almost out of it, you're thinking, well, actually, yeah, that, I would have made 50 grand if it was a short term investment. Even if it was a long term investment, could you imagine how much more you're making then? Mm. So, yeah. It's always a case for me, if you've got the cash in the bank, Mm. it's losing money. So if you've got the cash in the bank, whether it's property or something else, invest it. And the safe bet in in the different investment strategies at the moment from from the conversations we've had and we talk to is property because the market's good. And even if we don't see the market that we saw last year, this year and next year, we'll still see gains because all of the media stories are we're not building enough properties, new homes are not being able to do the volume they want to do at the moment because materials are so expensive. So it's going to mm. push the new homes market premiums up. And then if we look at the rental deficit, I think it was 230,000 um, properties more needed to rent in this current climate. And we can see that because you get 30 inquiries per one, even if it's 10% over what we would deem as normal market value. So it's a great time to, to be a landlord because the yield is that much stronger than it was 24 months ago, really, which is which is really good. In terms of investing, we had a kill on a recent podcast. He was talking about blended investments. You were talking about blended mortgages and blended portfolios, so a variety. From your point of view, is there other areas of investment that you're looking into or is it just your sole goal is in property or is there other things that sort of strikes your interest at the moment? I mean, I've dabbled in all sorts. I've sort of tried <laughs> to learn. I mean, look, there's. it's funny because when you're sitting down the pub on a Friday night with your pals, they're like, oh yeah, I'm investing in a bit of Bitcoin. I'm doing a bit of crypto. Everyone's an expert e- everyone's in the pub. Everyone's an expert, right? Why everyone's is everyone an expert in the pub? Especially in the pub, right? So everyone's an expert. But the thing is, I don't know enough about it. And from my perspective, my experience is property. So for me, as much as I'm tempted with other stuff, Index funds, I think, was one of them that Tony Robbins spoke about, long-term games, stuff like that. I read the whole book on that. I still don't really know enough about Mm. it. And I think for me, it's not, I wouldn't look at that. But I completely understand that people have made a lot of gains in other other bits of investment. But for me, I always look at what are you most passionate about? What do you want to do that's going to bring you a sense of fulfillment and joy and actually the long-term gain of that and and stuff that you're experiencing knowledge about? And for me, it's property. Yeah, yeah, no, good. It's good to know because I think a lot of investors often look at different things. And the way that I try and learn for me personally is I try and sort of, it'd be arrogant to say become an expert, become quite knowledgeable in a certain segment, Mm -hmm. and then sort of use that ability to learn something on what's the next closest thing to it. And that's how I try and sort of expand my own education, whether that's this type of stuff or anything really. And that kind of works quite well for me. Would you, and on that point, knowing what you know and staying close to home, literally, would you invest close to home or would you look to invest further afield? No, we've got a HMO down in Crawley. We're nowhere near Crawley. <laughs> like, I've no idea about Crawley. I don't know the area, but the investment at that time was a good buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, we had a few people down there that helped us with that. Um, we did a massive side extension and added another two bedrooms. So, there is a couple of things where I wouldn't, ca- I don't care where it is personally, as long as the investment's right and it could be managed right and looked after right. That's that's my main goals behind that. Yeah. So you, you look at it, you look at it in the way that sometimes new landlords or new property investors struggle with is there's no emotional connection. It no. wants to be right and it has yeah. to work, but you're looking at it from from a maths and from a spreadsheet yeah. perspective. I look at it from a bird's eye view. You know, I've looked at one actually over recently over in Manchester. 
I mean, we're down in Berkshire. No idea about Manchester. I've been out there a couple of times, but there's a there's a valuable property there which could be a good investment, which I would look at. So yeah, not not restricted how, an area. How do you find the difference in terms of management and just is it more stress for the HMO or compared to the other properties you've we, got? Yeah, we've been on an absolute whirlwind of our HMO, like especially over the last couple of years with, with the COVID. Um, it's been painful, but at the same time, I looked at what we were actually netting over the last two years and it actually was still more than if I did a single let on it. So the reality is, yes, we've taken a hit over the some, some months, but now it's back to full, five rooms are all let, we're getting maximum value out of it. So again, it was like, and I said, because it's myself and my dad who own it, and I said to him, I said, look, just be patient, like let this ride through because we will get back to full value soon enough. And we have, and we have been for the last three months. As much as we bickered and argued, <laughs> go back and forth, but uh, no, no, just, just hold fire. It's a long-term game for that. And I guess it's made money in equity as well. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was we bought that five years ago now, and we did a, a, a big single story extension. It was a corner plot, so there's potential to do it. So yeah, and it's yeah, it's fully managed, so it's all good. Do you normally have quite a good occupancy rate on the HMO as well? Yeah, yeah, because it's right next to Gatwick Airport. We generally have a lot of people that work in the airport, not just people that work on the airlines, but the airport itself. Um, and luckily, like the what happens, what we've experienced our HMO is that. The tenant, say you've got one leader tenant who kind of looks after and speaks to the agent, does all the bills, all of that stuff. And then they kind of filter through to all the other tenants. And actually that leader tenant that we had, they actually found the other tenants. So it was quite nice because they already kind of knew each other mm-hmm. before not living to, you know, together. So it was quite nice. To, so the, the atmosphere inside the property and they all get on well. So that's like the perfect scenario for, for us. Keep that tenant suite. Exactly. Exactly. Have a, have a busybody living in your HMO yeah. because that's your that's your single point of contact rather than having five or six people to contact yeah. all the time. Just drill it down to one person who's yeah. got an agenda to stay there long term, an agenda for the house to be kept nice because it is yeah. their home rather than somewhere to stay for six yeah. months. But one thing I've realised being a landlord is that look after your tenants. You look after your tenants. Go that extra mile, like. With my other one in Frimley that I've got, I'd send them a Christmas gift every year. I, I Two times a year, i check in and say, look, do you need anything done? Is there anything, you know, kitchen worktops scraping off? Is, is there anything we redecorate? I said to him, I want to get a new front door. And he was like, thank you for offering, but at the moment, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. But I was like, let me just get it done anyway. Um, and even with the HMO, like, we look after them because we, on the back of that, now, because of COVID, I'm yeah, um, <laughs> it's, 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 we're getting premium rent and they're okay to pay that. They're more than happy. They're happy. We're happy, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, that's uh, the relationship you want. Yeah. That's the 100%. difference between that rogue segment, professional, and agency segment. 100%. So, no, it's great to hear. What, what concerns do you have about uh, the landlord market, the buy to let market, the investing market in property? What concerns do you have over the the coming two, three, four years. We won't hold you to it unless you get spot on. We'll yeah, yeah. It. Or you get it really wrong, we might promote it as well. But. I think it's just legislations are a big one. Like Things are changing rapidly. There's so many things happening and we just don't know what's what and what's coming. So that kind of, from a long-term perspective, you're thinking, well, what could change in a year, two years, five years, 10 years? Like, would is it going to cost me more? Am I going to be end up losing money? You know, But we just don't know. But again, it just goes back to the here and now. You just need to get your education. That, for me, probably is the biggest concern. But apart from that, yeah, it's just getting the experience and doing your homework and research. Um, yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. 
I'm what? interested to throw a curveball. What's the biggest win you've ever had in property? The biggest win? The biggest win. People always want to know, what's the, what's the best thing? What's the best single thing that you've done? Um, I, I genuinely think it's just making the decision to actually, like the HMO, I'll go back to this, but it was making the decision to, to go and, even though you've got a mental block about something, like when we, I remember when we went and viewed that, we were just like, do you know what? Like my dad is very risk averse. He's like, no, no, we shouldn't do that. A bit negative. And I've told him many times, I was like, look, and I saw the potential, but at the same time, because he was fronting loads, the most of the deposit, I was like, I can't have too much control of that. But I managed to win him over. I managed to say, look, just, just hold fire. I saw the potential. I saw the corner plot. I said we could do an extension. We had experience that the agent that we were with at the time had experience in HMOs. And I managed to win him over. And now, six years later, he's like, yeah, it's definitely the best thing we could have done with that. Mm. So... For me, it's almost the biggest win is getting over the mental block or the barrier. Pulling the trigger. Pulling the trigger, 100%, yeah. yeah. That, that, for me, is the biggest one. What about the biggest lesson that you've been forced to learn? Something you really had to swallow as a landlord? The, the, again, that HMO, to, to, to lose all that money during COVID, it was like, yeah, that was the biggest lesson. But at the same time, it was like, how do we, how do we deal with that? How do we overcome that? How do we still keep the tenants good as well as keep the property good? And it was like... It was up and down for quite a lot. Like we had conversations about, should we just sell it? Imagine if we sold it. We probably would have let, like for now, the value's probably gone up 40 grand over the last two years. It's the easy answer though, It's the right, easy answer. It? It's the easy option. It's the way out, like, I guess. Exactly. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, whoa, whoa, let's just slow down. Let's just actually reassess this and look at it. Spend time on it. Like you're investing in something. Spend time on it. Don't just park it on the side. Like it's a big thing. It's a big part of your life and it's a big asset you own. So don't, don't, you know, do a half half ass job basically. So, yeah. I always I always think of this. I got this image that I saw posted once, and it's you know when you got a glass kitchen cupboard door, mm. and the plate is pushed along the glass. So yeah. basically, you open that cupboard door, the plate smashes. But if you don't open the cupboard door, the plate doesn't smash. Yeah, and it's kind of it, I always think back to that image when people are talking about sell your asset. The problem only happens if you sell it when there's a problem. If you if you leave it closed or if you leave the investment locked in it will bounce back and if you sell at the if you sell on the down you lose the bounce back and actually I was talking this morning to a chap Matthew that's coming on the podcast who's more sort of into wealth strategy stocks and shares and advising people and obviously Ukraine is a big thing at the moment and I said to him surely that's the time where the shrewd investor invests and he's like yes but I have to talk to my clients because a lot of my clients now are thinking let's pull our money out and because everyone pulls their money out mm. you see the drop but actually the shrewd investor is the one that holds strong and actually puts money into to the downside to yeah. benefit the bounce back so yeah great strategy that you took on that isn't it funny as well that your highs and your lows both came from your HMO which mm. it's the high risk isn't it the high risk oh, can yeah. bring high reward but can also bring the, the risk factor to it as well I'm just interested to know because you mentioned your you've got obviously a full-time job. How does this impact you as a sort of it's a side hustle? How does it impact you as as doing that on the side? Does it impact you at all? Is it something you stress about day to day? Or actually is it only a problem when it's a problem? It's only a problem when it's a problem. I do not stress about it at all, really. There's nothing now now there's nothing I really need to worry about. It's more so when the problems come up. But then I'm just like, right, okay, this has come up. We need to action this quickly because I do not like problems just sitting there. Even in my you know, full-time job, 
I'm like, if there's a problem, let's just action it now. Let's not delay. Let's just deal with it there and then. I'm a problem solver, not a problem maker. You know, <laughs> so so yeah. I stand by that as well. It's, it's great to get a, an actual kind of live landlord that looks at it from that perspective. That's not, you know, an accountant or a mortgage advisor. That's just someone that's in property, investing in property. It's been really, really insightful. And I know Tristan's got a couple of uh, quickfire questions for you as well to, to sum up. So over to you. Straight to it. What happens next in the property market? Oof. I personally think it has to, it will still keep increasing. Like prices are still going to rock into mind. It's still going to go up. But at some point, it will, I think, will start levelling out because it's just not sustainable with the market that we're in at the moment. Um, and I think as a as a landlord, I would still love to invest in other properties. There's, it, nothing's put me off, put that way. Perfect. And I think I know the answer to this one, but if you invest in a perfect investment today, what does that look like to you? Oh, that's, that's gold, isn't it? <laughs> that's absolutely gold. I mean, yeah, I'm still, you're always on the lookout for the perfect investment, but I genuinely, genuinely think that doesn't exist. There's always going to be pitfalls. There's always going to be something which is not 100%. But if I can get to 70, 80%, yes, 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 then fine. I'll look at that. What does it look like? What 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 in your head are you thinking is, is ideal? Where are you next likely to put your money? I would I would still like a HMO. I quite like them, personally. Mm. One, because they, yeah, they yield so much further than a, a one unit three bedroom semi-detached house but i quite like seeing something that could be something and turning it into that what, what i want it to be personally i That's think good. from the win you said earlier is i was expecting you to say hmo so yeah, you just yeah. literally said it yeah, <laughs> you've yeah, answered yeah. that question I mean, the thing is about hmos not not many people like it because they they do see it at high, at high risk my dad for one he absolutely hates it he but he knows just to hold on to it so yeah not for everyone I think good strategy with the HMO, you know, the location mm. of where you invested. Yeah. You put a HMO in the middle of a housing estate where you've got a school and a, not much else, a local village shop. It, it might not be the yeah. ideal place, but, you know, to put it near an airport, for example, and then get the kingpin tenant in there that brings in the other airport staff exactly. was, was, was a really good move. So yeah. I think a lot of it is having the confidence at the outset, you don't always find that as the first investment. You know, you don't often find someone go, right, let's invest in the high risk high reward strategy at the outset but obviously after you've done a couple of investments you you felt let's try that and it's it's something that's that's worked for you so no it's really interesting to hear and finally what's the best single piece of advice you can give a landlord seek advice talk to other people in the industry like i can't stress you how valuable that is whether it be an accountant another investor even someone that does different investing like we said earlier like to seek advice and not just be narrow-minded and think you can do it all yourself is the best single thing that I've learned personally. Awesome. Guys, let's wrap up. Sanjay, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. It's been another interesting episode. I think just the, the reflection of a landlord being on here rather than a property professional in their with their professional hat on is really refreshing. And as you say, seek advice. Seek advice from people who have done it. Seek advice from people who have walked a mile in their shoes is probably the, the best advice anyone can give. Gents, we kicked Sanjay out, so we're free to talk about him behind his back now. What were your biggest takeaways? I think what's important for Sanjay is we didn't touch on it, but one of his professions is also that he's a life coach. And he spoke a little bit, he mentioned Tony Robbins, but he talked about when you're looking to invest in property, there's always the seed of doubt. And I do think there's a lot of people that want to do it now, but they've just got that trigger pulling mindset that they're not quite ready to pull the trigger. 
So it's quite interesting to see from his point of view that actually the benefits of doing it and holding his ground as well when COVID hit and the HMO. So a lot of it was mindset related. And I think that for a lot of people where they just contemplate doing it and they put it off, put it, put it off, and then maybe they never do it because they end up doing something else. What he's shown is when you pull the trigger, you invest in property, inevitably you get the wins. So that, that was the, the part that I really took away from it that I thought was quite interesting to hear, which I wasn't expecting to hear from him and it, it was good to hear it. Yeah, interesting perspective. Obviously, he's the guy with the expertise and at that point, his father was the one with the money and he's he's pulling his, he's pulling his father through in, in that situation yeah. to say, look, this is a good deal because of one to 10 reasons. So go with it. And these are the reasons why we'll come out of it at the other, right, at the other end. And these are also reasons to hold on mm. in, in bad times. So it, it, it sums that up perfectly. There was another thing to touch on that, that he did mention in there is about speaking to the right people. And I think it goes back to a number of different podcasts we've had previously where we talk about power teams mm. and how important it is. Yeah. Um, but also on top of that, I think he's had a great win. Is obviously HMO is, is a very high risk and it's worked really well for him, which is a great win. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't work for all, which we know. So it's interesting to hear from, from his side that that's worked well for him. He must have spoke to someone because like you mentioned, he's based in Berkshire, Crawley's nowhere near. He must have spoke to someone that said, look at this strategy or look at this opportunity. We didn't actually touch into that, but there was a reason why that route happened. And it goes back to, like you said, walking a mile in someone's shoes that's done it. That was the interesting part to the podcast. I loved having a landlord on. And I think if there is a landlord that's listening at the moment, or maybe even someone who's a property investor that wants to do it, but they haven't yet pulled the trigger, it'd be great to get them on as a guest. So, you know, reach out to us if that's you, because we'd love to have a conversation with you on mic, and then we can help off mic as well. Not this mic, that mic. Um, and that would be brilliant. So yeah, I loved the Sanjay chat, and it was, it was great to have a conversation about someone that's doing it now with a job, and everything that goes with it in between. Dents, it's been a good one. Until next week, speak soon. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They agents have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.